Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's truth in my squad? I'm Robert Evans. This is part two of our Amway episode. And by popular acclaim, Sophie, Jack, and I are going to start this by digging into the fact that when he decided Amway needed its an internal police force to make sure people weren't making illegal, fraudulent claims about the products, he, ought, he wanted to call it the truth squad. That <laughs> he was profiting off of. Yeah. It, that made me think of all the... You know, the fact that everything that uh, modern mega companies are profiting from uh, are are the things that, like, get the most most attention and scrutiny from the media, like Facebook and lies and, you know, misinformation. And so they're like, yeah, we're going to invest in, like, squat, like, these groups that are this, like, entire... A branch of our company the, that's going to be the truth squad or the Facebook equivalent of that. And then like, they just have their knees cut out from under them. Like the second that nobody's looking. Yeah. She just named it the narc squad and then yeah, narc squad. Yeah. It's just so culty. The name it's just like, I, it's like triggering. I'm like, yeah, no, thank you. Jack. Jack. Hey, do your me. kids use the TikTok? Are they talking? His the kids are so not old enough to use the TikTok. Because I just came across a, young. a letter. Kevin Barron posted it, who's some, some guy on Twitter. I don't know. That he got an email from his public school system that I just want to talk about now. Uh, <laughs> and it's about like kids have, there's like a series of escalatingly criminal TikTok challenges that kids are, are putting on each other in public schools, apparently, or at least in schools. Yes, I've, I've heard um, about this. 
yeah, September's vandalized school bathrooms that I can confirm from friends who are teachers that I'll, their school bathrooms have been like massively vandalized oh, wow. on, a, on a problematic scale. Like several of them are non-functional. October is apparently smack a staff member. Oh, um, I have no idea how accurate the rest of these are, but a bunch of kids did vandalize their school bathrooms for TikTok in September. So there was November, a, there was a tick, there was a thing where they were supposed to be like stealing the biggest item in the room from schools, like people, <laughs> and they would like take like they, they would take like an entire like sink setup from a bathroom God. from a school <laughs> and take it home. Yeah, and it's then incredible. Talk about it, and it's like um, that's crime, yeah. crime. Yeah, that's a crime. Yeah, a bunch of these are crimes. January is apparently jab a breast. December's deck the halls and show your balls. Um, February's mess up school signs. Um, yeah, I don't mess know. Up it seems like signs and grab a bre- very different. Like I don't things, know who's children. I don't know who's decided these are like the things that are going to be done. I um, will say that I did but, walk in on my five year old and three year old. Uh, planning this entire thing out. Uh, oh, so okay. They, so they that are, you, we found the are, origin point. Yeah, they are the uh bread the nerve center of this entire plot. Um it feels uh suspiciously similar to like uh you know, you combine anything that's like a newfangled thing that parents don't understand and, you know, maybe a seed of truth of like some misbehavior and mm-hmm. like it just seems like catnip for the local news and parents um, yeah. and, and educators. It's, but you're you're saying that they're actually destroying bathrooms, which I can confirm that some kids for TikTok challenges have destroyed bathrooms in a couple of different schools, at least where I am. So there's an extent to which some, now, I, I think this may just be that like that happened. There was a TikTok scam or a TikTok, not scam, but there was like a TikTok thing to like vandalize your school bathroom for the likes and a bunch of kids did it. And then school instructors like flipped the fuck out and somebody convinced them that there was a whole list of things for the next right. year. Cause I can't imagine, right. I can't imagine that a bunch of kids like planned the next 11 months of TikTok. Like who would even do that? Right. Too much planning. Too much. Um, <laughs> yeah. Jab a breast day. Jab a breast day feels seems like that weird. was created by a like mm-hmm. guidance counselor. Like I will jab. believe in deck the halls, show your balls. That yeah, that, that I sounds, will believe it. That sprung that from like the mind of a eight year old. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, it could just be a, a. It could be a real interesting in the next couple of months on the talks. Stop so fucking with I'm your not, teachers. Yeah, leave I don't your know. teachers alone. I do. I don't mind stealing the biggest thing in the room and then like returning That's funny. it. That is fun. Like I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of the biggest Theft thing. Theft is like, always yeah. most of. <laughs> I guess it would either be the teacher's desk or like the. The whiteboard, yeah, the the uh, yeah, yeah. the de- if you could steal your teacher's desk, like props to you, that's impressive. That is um, kind of cool, but but it does. I mean, it, destroying don't. school bathrooms is not cool, especially during a pandemic. Kind of a bad idea. No, to, that sucks. So does like yeah. slapping a teacher a too. That's like one less hand washing station that people. Yeah, need. anything that I'm violates not, someone's personal space or like bodily autonomy, like get the yeah. fuck out of here. I also, yeah, you yeah. probably shouldn't be showing your balls to anyone, but still. I mean, yeah, that's, that's problematic for a number of reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. if it was, I don't know, deck the hall, steal the school resource officer's car. Well, we're we talking. should probably move on to the episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay. So Jack, Robert, Toberfest, Jack Toberfest. Sure. That's the only holiday I celebrate, Jack. Yeah. It's all October for me. I'm just, yeah, yeah. just, 
I don't know what I'm doing. I never really stopped to figure out how to celebrate Jacktoberfest. I just hold yeah. it in my heart. Just apple um, strudels. Day after day. <laughs> it's just strudel. Piles of strudel. Yeah. So Jack, after Gerald Ford got Jimmy Carter in 1976, you know, he was the big in that Van Andel and Rich DeVos had that Amway's like political in was. When he gets, you know, gets not not president anymore, um, they didn't give up on influencing the government. They just got better at it. They got into increasingly mm. overt political fundraising. So they moved from, you know, they had started kind of supporting free enterprise think tanks and putting out propaganda booklets to try to, you know, change hearts and minds. Um, and they moved on to just making direct $10,000 donations per year to the Republican National Committee. This earned them the rank of Eagle, if you're curious what that gets you. Um, Richard DeVos, as usual, the went the fucking Boy further. Scouts? Yeah, yeah, it kind of is. Um, well, you know, the Republicans love them Eagles. Yeah, um, okay. Big, big, big on Eagles. So 10000 a year doesn't sound like that much. Uh, well, this but... is 76. Okay, yeah. That's like, I don't know, a hundred grand. It's a lot of money. Okay. More than it is now. Sure. Um, and they're also giving more money, right? This is what they're giving to the party, but this is like emblematic of uh, the money they're shotgunning to different conservative causes. Uh, Richard DeVos started putting a lot of money into pushing for more right to work laws, um, which despite their name are actually make it easier for corporations to fire people without cause. Um, sure. They're kind of skirt through like different union uh, uh, restrictions and whatnot. Um, DeVos pumped a fortune into the Council on a Union-Free Environment, which was an organization dedicated to stopping, making it harder for people to unionize. Um, it had been founded in 1977, the year he started giving it money, and he was almost immediately made a director. We saw this earlier with one of the other groups that, like, this group will start, he'll give them a bunch of money, and then he'll be in charge of them. Um, so he's technically donating money. I'm sure there's a tax thing there, right? Where like he pays less taxes because he's giving these money, but also these are groups that he effectively runs and solicits donations from other people. And they're just, all of these different organizations are effectively like instruments of Richard DeVos's political whims, um, right. which he hates unions. Um, which well, why are because... you, even, why do you even care about unions, Richard DeVos? Amway, like none of them are your employees. How could you like, I, anyway. I've been thinking about that, like, because they go from, this, uh, you know, uh, triangularly shaped financial model uh, thing, mm -hmm. company, to like going really hard in the direction of like be almost like legendarily, uh, you know, big influencers in the in the realm of like conservative politics in like all these different ways. And I I feel like there's like when you look at the central lie that their family is trying to perpetuate. It's that they like deserve more than their fair share rather yeah. than less because they've like who they've morally fucked. They're like fucked so many people over like the amount of damage caused by this company where everyone who works for them loses all their money is like absolutely incalculable. And yeah. So they have to convince themselves that not only it, that that's not bad, but that they are worth like billions times as much as other people. And I think one of the ways they do that is by believing that everyone is lazier than them. And yep. so it's unions would make it easy for people to be lazy. And yeah, so like, it's laziness I, at scale. Yeah. 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 And it's just trying to like perpetuate this, 
lie across generations, like to make it so that reality like bends to like kind of your warped like hope. And this is how he bends reality too. Cause like he believes that his opinion, his beliefs are worth more than other people's. And he makes that real because he has all of these different political action organizations that are lobbying and that are getting donations that he winds up running. Either he was the one who orchestrated them being started or because he gives so much, he just winds up in charge. But these are all instruments of his will that effectively like he was one of the earlier, earliest rich people in the country to really figure out how to make uh, how how to do like what the Koch brothers do, right? Where you have this right. sprawling network of think tanks and, and lobbying groups and influence operations that all basically exist to make people, to make it so that people, to, the, to what you think about the world matters. Right. And so to keep Charlie Kirk employed. Yeah, and to keep Charlie yeah. Kirk employed. Now, one of the first politicians Amway went whole hog on electing was Sue Myrick, who eventually became a congresswoman. She'd initially joined Amway in 1992, and by that point, she'd been elected once to the Charlotte, North Carolina City Council. She'd lost a bid for mayor in 1985, but then won in 1987. So she had a history of trying to get elected, losing, and then getting elected the next election. So she she had a proven ability to, like— figure out how to make things work for her in in politics. Now, the year she joined Amway, she, uh, she ran for Senate, and her campaign did not get off to a good start because she had a lot less money than her rival. But once she joined Amway as a distributor, the company decided to allow her to start selling her own motivational tapes at company rallies to raise money for her campaign, even though she was very new. Um, Amway also donated more than $16,000 to her campaign. Now, she lost this first Senate election, but Amway continued to invest in her, largely because she was an effective speaker. They put her on their national circuit, and she visited hundreds of Amway rallies for distributors around the world and was able to sell 5 and $10 audio tapes of her motivational speeches that went right into her war chest. We've talked about these tapes a few times, and I should probably provide you with an example of how they sounded. I haven't found yes. any of Sue Myrick. Yeah, and I don't have any of <laughs> Sue Myrick's Amway recordings, but I did find a video made by her Amway mentor, Dexter Yeager, who was actually he gave her thirteen thousand of that sixteen thousand dollars that her campaign got from Amway. So this is the guy who was like her mentor, Dexter Yeager. Um, this is a segment from one of his motivational speeches from I don't know, like thirty something years ago. Sophie, so I know a guy that was dating a girl back when he was about 16 years old. And when he dated girls, he always liked to take them out first class in accordance with his income. And he had a girl he was dating, but she turned to him and said, my folks would never allow me to marry you. You're nothing but a spendthrift and you'll have nothing ever. And I was that guy. I was that guy. I don't know where that girl is, but I know where this guy is. And I can... I can tell you about Dexter and Bertie living on the alley, broke. Anybody can go down on Cortland Ave in Rome, New York, and they can see how we lived. And it was in a sloppy section. It was a poor section of town. Don't tell me how bad you got it. Tell me how good you're going to get it. Don't tell me about your problems. Tell me about your dreams. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's a... That's hot shit, Jack. <laughs> that is good Americaning right And you'll there. notice, again, part of how, like, what keeps them safe from getting charged with the shit they got charged with in the past. He's not, like, 
and often generally isn't like making specific promises about Amway. He's making promises about like the way they, they, it started out when these distributors started putting out these motivate, they'll be like, they would be saying like the Amway, you know, if you sell the way I tell you to sell, you're going to be a millionaire in six months, you'll get rich, you'll get, and that's illegal. What he's doing is very general and he's getting people, it makes people believe, yeah, I can become a millionaire too. It's all on me. It's totally on me to do the work necessary. But he's also, he's very, says very little about Amway. Like that's, that's a general thing with a lot of these folks. They're, they're making these very general motivational claims about what you're capable of, which is not a crime. Um, (laughs) yeah. Uh, so that's cool. Um, but also everybody knows like. Believing yeah. in yourself and not accepting no for yeah. an answer and working it, the system. And yeah, it yeah. could be a speech at literally any capitalist institution yeah. about yeah. any job. <laughs> and and you, you say it could be a speech at like literally any capitalist institution. Part of what has made the kind of speeches that I'm sure a lot of people listening, you've gone to some sort of like corporate event where somebody saying shit like that came up just to motivate you, not necessarily for a scam, just because like your company was like, well, let's hire a motivational speaker, right? The reason they all sound like Dexter Yeager is because they're all copying guys like De- Dexter Yeager and other people at Amway, right? Like it, they helped invent the concept of these kinds of motivational speeches that are now everywhere, you know, and there's other people too. I don't want to like pretend like he, it, it, this all came from his mind, but this is really when this shit starts happening, the the seventies and eighties. And by the nineties, it's, it's a finely tuned machine. So Sue's doing the Amway circuit. She's selling tapes, probably a lot like what we just played, but with, you know, a lady. Um, And Dexter Yeager, who did that, would regularly record messages about her, and he would put them out to Amway distributors via Amvox, which was a voice messaging line Amway members were encouraged to pay to have access to. Richard DeVos and other high-ranking Amway grifters would often use it to push members towards political action. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. So... When Sue Myrick runs for Senate again in 1994, Jaeger sends out Amvox messages to everyone in his downline um, and gets them to donate to her. Now, this was, as Mother Jones will argue, very likely a crime. Quote, those messages may violate campaign laws. The use of corporate resources on behalf of a federal campaign is illegal, says Kenneth Cross, a former head of enforcement at the FEC. Gross says that if Jaeger used the voicemail system for fundraising, the law required either Amway or Jaeger to report it as an in-kind contribution that should have been reimbursed by the Myrick campaign. If corporate resources are not properly reimbursed, then it would result in a violation of federal election laws, Gross says. There is no FEC record of any such contribution from Amway or from Jaeger. Amway spokesman Robert Lumes says that Jaeger rents the Amvox service for $16.95 per month. What he does with it is his <laughs> business, Lumes said. Jaeger would not. Re- yeah, so you get it, right? Like you get, the, and, and it worked, right? Like, yeah, maybe it was illegal, but they didn't get charged for it because I, I think that the, he gave them enough of an excuse and they had enough people in power uh, that were sympathetic to Amway that nobody went after them for this. And the messages worked. A review of the FEC filing shows that at least 171 Amway distributors and family members, 143 of whom did not live in Myrick's home state, gave Myrick's campaign more than $178,000 in 1994. That is election. When you're talking about like a, a Senate race like that, that's enough to tip a fucking election. Right. Um, yeah. Also, just every time you mention like a new Amway product for yeah. the distributors like Amvox or these Amvox. like motiv- yeah. these motivational tapes. I'm just like seeing a person who like 
is like sees somebody else using it and is like jealous. They're like, wow, they're hot shit. They have access to Amvox. And then like they, you know, sell all their kids toys so they can like pay for, for access to Amvox. It's just like mm-hmm. so dark and so yeah. profoundly American. Yeah. Yeah, dark and profoundly American <laughs> is the the Amway motto. Yeah. Now, flush with real cash this time, Sue Myrick won her Senate campaign. Once she was in office, she wasted no time in co-sponsoring a home office deductibility bill, which offered tax write-offs for independent contractors who used their homes as offices and was heavily pushed by Amway. She pushed a bunch of bills that specifically were in order to reduce the tax burden on people who worked for Amway. On July 24th, the day before Amway announced a $1.3 million donation to the Republican convention, Bob Dole announced his support for Sue's bill. It's all very direct, you know? (laughs) They fund her, she pushes this bill, they give up $1.3 million to the Republican Party. The next day, Bob Dole announces he supports the bill, like, obviously, right? Like, it's not illegal, it is corrupt. Um, Now, uh, and also, you know, I, I, I will admit, like, when we're talking about the scale of crimes Amway's committed, a home office deductibility bill is is not the shadiest thing an elected leader has ever pushed. Sure. I'm just laying this path out because it's illustrative of how the company wields influence for a variety of purposes, all geared towards protecting the profitability of Amway for the people at the top. As Myrick became – and stopping things from, like, the F- – there's a reason the FEC didn't look into shit, right? There's a reason why this stuff that might be illegal never gets prosecuted, and it's because they've got friends in high places. Myrick became very popular within the GOP. Speaker Newt Gingrich appointed her as a freshman senator to the Budget Committee, which is not, like, that's a very powerful position. Like, the Senate yeah, Budget Committee is a big deal. Yeah. And yeah, she's a freshman senator and gets in there. Um, this was widely seen as Gingrich supplicating what became known as the Amway Caucus, which included three other senators at this point. So four senators are all, like, Amway distributors. One of these senators, Jack, has the best name I've ever encountered for a senator. Oh, give it to me. Dick Chrysler. What? (laughs) Yeah, Dick Chrysler. There's a senator named Dick Chrysler? Yeah, well, at least there was in the early 90s. Yeah, Dick Chrysler. (laughs) And his, his, his Democratic rival... Cock Ford. <laughs> Dick Chrysler. Dick Chrysler. What an incredible name for an Amway distributor who becomes a senator. Chrysler. Dick Chrysler here to tell you about the most incredible opportunity you're ever going to have to make a fortune. Oh my God. Is that... Yeah. Dick Chrysler. that's not his actual like given name, that is one of the great works of like authorship of all time Mm -hmm. whoever came up with the name dick chrysler dick chrysler richard chrysler yeah Yeah. that's his real name politician from michelin uh, michigan born in minnesota but of course he's yeah chrysler so michigan yeah Yeah. dick chrysler in office from 1995 to 1997 looks like steve martin he does look a bit like steve martin if steve martin looked kind of more like shit (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah if steve martin looked a little bit more like shit he would look like dick chrysler (laughs) Oh, yeah, um, he does. Just oh, with wow. like, like, he looks like Steve Martin got yeah. tanned by... Like, just on his forehead, though. Just, <laughs> just yeah. a forehead tan. Just like haphazardly had yeah. himself like like sprayed with a brown face or something. It's yeah, it's strange. amazing because mm. the way the shading looks in this photo, he's clearly a white man, but it also looks like he's wearing white face because of how shaded yeah. the hair, yeah. his skin and like the, his scalp is. 
Someone what is happening? Yeah, nobody, yeah. Nobody taught him how to correctly blend his makeup. Yeah. What a fascinating looking man. <gasps> also, the person who su- succeeded him had an incredible name, Debbie Stabnow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is just like yeah. gold mine. Yeah. What an incredible Michigan. Something's going on with people's Sh- names in shout fucking out Michigan. The state of Michigan. <laughs> Shout out to Michigan for some entertainingly named legislators, at least one of whom was a corrupt Amway shill. Um, So Amway acknowledged the existence of the Amway caucus. In fact, they kind of celebrated it. Company lobbyist John Gartland told Mother Jones that the caucus would meet with him to discuss legislation or set up conversations between senators and high-level Amway distributors. Quote, we'll tell them Amway's opinion. We can't guarantee their votes, but they love Amway. There we go. And so long as the Amway caucus voted the right way, they could count on a virtually limitless source of funding. From Mother Jones, Karen, jo- Karen and Craig Jones, both former distributors, attended one rally where Sue Myrick spoke. She got up with her husband and said, you're the kind of people we like, Karen says. After Myrick's speech, Amway leaders passed around buckets for contributions and asked donors to write their names and the names of their Amway sponsors or upline on the envelope. Karen's husband, Craig, adds, it wasn't like you need to do this or else. It was more like if you're smart and you want your business to grow, I'm sure your upline was aware if you gave or if you didn't. So Uh, that's fucked up, Um, but not illegal. Not illegal. It's all just social pressure and Mm -hmm. like building out this kind of network of like this community where Mm -hmm. the the cool thing to do is to... Just buy into this thing and give people who are richer than you all your money. It's just yeah. basically the I I'd be I wouldn't be shocked if like the Republican Party like saw this and was like, We've got Oh, a they did, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is, this Spoiler is Amway kind of helped create the modern Republican Party. And Beautiful. this is this is the process. This is what what's happening. Cause they're also again, they give one point three million dollars to the ninety four Republican convention. They're giving meaningful amounts of money. And Republicans are paying attention. Oh, these guys, these we're getting more Republican senators in competitive districts in some cases because of Amway money and because Amway is really good at organizing funding and voting and stuff. There's a reason that Betsy DeVos was the Secretary of Education, and it's because Amway money and clout is really important to the Republican Party. They are kind of kingmakers within the Republican Party. Um also, uh, Donald Trump has uh, plugged for Amway in the past. So, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Yep. Yeah, it's good shit. Um, and you can see, again, so it's, number one, they say like, well, these these caucus members, we just let them know what Amway wants. We can't make them do anything. Yeah, but that money spigot can get turned off for your reelection campaign if you don't make Amway happy, right? Mm-hmm. Which, again, is not illegal. A lot of other industries do this. We're seeing this with Kristen Cinema right now. Um but you can see the financial value of this arrangement for Amway because, it, again, it is kind of hard to tell, like, what did this exactly result in? I think a good way to do that is to look at what happened in a country where they do not have political influence that's very close to the United States. And I'm talking about Canada. Um, so while the FTC gave up on regulating Amway in 1979 and it's been smooth sailing for them ever since because they give a lot of money, because they have a lot of ties to American politicians, the same has not been true in Canada. I'm not saying they have no ties to politicians, but they do not have the kind of influence there that they have here. In 1989, they paid $38 million to settle a lawsuit with the Canadian Trade Office that alleged they'd been illegally skirting customs dues. In 1983, the province of Ontario nailed Amway with a $25 million fine for fraud, to which Amway pled guilty. 
So you can see why, like, yeah, give a couple of million a year to the Republican Party. It's going to save us money in the long term because we're not dealing with the kind of shit we're dealing with in Canada. Um, that's why it's worth it for them. Um, and it very much is. But you know who hasn't been convicted of fraud in a Canadian court, Jack? <laughs> that nice and specific. I think we can yeah. probably uh, we guarantee can probably... that that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely none of the sponsors probably of our podcast. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X visit tomboyx.com. My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post clean clarity you get. Wow. How have I been living like this? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when mint mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month. When you purchase a three month plan. Wow. How have I been affording this? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash behind. That's mintmobile.com slash behind. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash behind. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. 
Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, we're back. And we're we're talking talking Amway. So uh, Amway's deep integration with the Republican Party did not start or end with just business. Over years of congenial relations, the two melded together into something terrifying and inseparable. And to walk through the story of the merging of Amway and the Republican Party, I'm going to have to peel back to 1979 one more time. That's the year the religious right became an organized force in U.S. politics for the first time. The moral majority is formed in 1979. The, that, that election, Reagan's election, is like the first time the religious right was a political block in American politics. Um, and yeah, this all happened just in time, obviously, to, to push Ronald Reagan into the presidency. The Amway co-founders were very bullish on Ronald Reagan. Not only did they pour money into supporting the campaign, but they encouraged other Amway leaders to use their tax-deductible business functions to get the word out. As one former distributor claimed, they tell you to always vote conservative no matter what. They say liberals support the homosexuals and let women get out of their place. <laughs> Richard DeVos and Jay Van Andel there. Yeah. The homosexual as well. That's... Speaking of the homosexuals, um, well, not quite yet. So by the time he died in 2018, Richard DeVos had personally paid out more than $200 million to fund the, Amer the Republican Party and other right-wing causes. In addition to the groups we've already named that he gave money to, he sent fortunes to the Family Research Council. Focus hey. on the family and the Acton Institute. Richard's oh. generosity earned him serious rewards. This is where gay people come into it again, unfortunately. Most notably, Ronald Reagan appointed him the pre to the President's Commission on the HIV Epidemic. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, Richard DeVos, that fucking guy, gets put on the president, which tells you how seriously Reagan treated HIV. Yeah, I get the Amway guy on there. He knows how right. to deal with a pandemic. <laughs> right. uh. He'll clean it right up with mm -hmm. frisk. <laughs> yeah, you gotta frisk it. So... Uh, Richard DeVos later wrote of this time, quote, of his time on the President's Commission on the HIV epi Epidemic, quote, I listened to 300 witnesses tell us that it was everybody else's fault but their own. Nothing to do with their conduct, just that the government didn't fix this disease. I said, you are responsible for your actions too, you know. Conduct yourself properly, which is a pretty solid Christian principle. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Very That's the guy you solid want. Solid Christian principles right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love Great when he does ones. his Shapiro voice out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's my right wing shithead voice. Richard used his influence to fight vigorously against workplace democracy, supporting right-to-work laws throughout the 1970s by funding a variety of anti-worker organizations. These included the Committee for the Survival of a Free Congress, the National Conservative Political Action Committee, the American Conservative Union Victory Fund, the National Right-to-Work Committee, and the Public Service Political Action Committee. Amway didn't start the push to force right-to-work laws in place across the country, just that they didn't start the MLM industry, but their specific brew of grifting and political activism was extremely influential and has been copied by every generation of MLMs and right-to-work advocates since. We could talk, as we often do, about how the state of Utah has famously lax laws on supplements because certain companies that sell essential oils have lobbied for those laws, but that's a rant for another day. But the point is that these... Like the fact that, you know, you have Utah has these very lax laws on supplements, which benefit a variety of MLMs that have given money to Utah politicians. Those MLMs are very much copying Amway. They saw what worked and they're, they're doing the same thing. 
Um, it's not a super complicated story. Um, right now, though, let's talk about another way Amway was an innovator uh, in mic- in the field of mixing religion into conservative action and into grifting. And I'm going to quote from the an article in Jacobin here. Quote, The sociologists David Bromley and Anson Shoup have argued that what is unique about Amway is not its melding of God and capitalism, an amalgam almost as old as Christianity itself. Instead, the power of Amway lies in its ability to harness these ideologies, to motivate individual salespersons far beyond the scope of their actual remuneration or realistic prospects thereof. Amway takes free market worship a step further, garnering much of its wealth from selling the idea of prosperity itself. Upper level distributors, the top 2%, don't sell soap. They hawk instructional seminars, CDs, books, website access, voicemail recordings, and other sales tools to the lower level sales force at huge profit margins. As Amway profit and and profiteer Dexter Yeager once noted when describing Amway's model, if you work just for money, you'll reach a point where you may have enough and you'll let up. We build relationships and people don't normally quit on people who love them. That is a... (laughs) No, it, it just it brings to mind earlier that Amway couple who got scammed out of like 50 grand in four years who like sold their home and moved to be closer to their upline because you make them think that you care about them, right? That's right. how you get money from these people. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to, if you, and also you're constantly having to explain to them why they're losing money, right? So yep. you have to, you have to just be like, I mean, if you lived closer, maybe we could like make something work a little bit better. Oh yeah. shit. You just bought the house down the street from me. Um, hmm. Mm. You guys just don't want it enough. Um, the degree to which the energy and like what you see at a MLM versus the actual product that is being sold, like are completely out of uh, any sort of like ratio to one another is always interesting to me. Like the fact that Amway is like, you heard that guy speak uh, about like, you know, he was basically selling uh, the fact that that mean woman didn't, want to fuck him and like yeah he, you know he's the best uh but like the thing he's selling is shitty soap like mm-hmm. substandard like soap yeah bad that, toilet paper yeah bad toilet paper Fucking that couldn't Ziploc even be bags. sold at kroger yeah yeah, yeah. it's amazing uh, and that's yeah. again you, you it, what's amazing to me is that like you know we, we we talk a lot in the old uh the old cracked uh, uh, crew about like how at times unreasonable everybody's devotion to work was and about like the workloads that we would take on. But it's because we like, we, we were doing the thing that was our dream as opposed to selling bargain, like terrible soap for a markup. Like that's what the genius of Amway is getting the, like you always will have people who are willing to like put in unbelievable amounts of work for things they love. Amway got people to do that for nonsense and they they figured out that the way to do it was it, it's not about the product it's about what these people believe about America and capitalism and and that's the thing that's hardest for me I can I can imagine like doing like I can imagine selling my home and moving I can imagine like working you know unbelievable hours um, even doing a chunk of it for no money which I've done before for like my novel right I were I spent hundreds of hours working effectively for free to write a novel it's because I loved the thing the right. thing that Amway does that's so scary is they're able to hack people into doing it for like nothing none of them care about soap like they're not like huge into Amway brand Ziploc bags that's the thing that's so like fucked up and that's the thing that's I don't think is possible without the cult shit right 
like and that's I'm sure how there's you like get a, people to a, love. a way that they in which they uh resent the products because it's like yeah. so out of whack with like they're like yeah. selling their lives for these like shitty paper paper plastic products so it's just like yeah it's but, like how you you get people who will work and i mean there's you can we can talk about like the degree to which it's a little messed up but people who are willing to like take huge pay cuts to work for like spacex because they believe in space travel right sure because they have a there's a real dream that they're pursuing that this company is letting them pursue and it's it's amazing that amway is able to do that but the dream is making rich devos richer like that's right. what you're giving up your life for is the yeah. dream of making Rich DeVos more money so that he can fund anti-union legislation around the country. And it's um, like, and the, the central tenet is like happiness through willpower and mm-hmm. through being able to like just kind of focus on, like put on blinders to everything except what's in front of you and just, yeah. just will yourself to happiness, which is... yeah. And it's the kind of like, this is not one of those episodes like with Nexium where we're going to talk about a cult leader who like raped a thousand women or whatever. Like this is not one of those episodes with like a body count, but there is what you have to, when you actually try to like the body count of Amway, it's like that one couple lost four and a half years to it. The, the amount of, if imagine if all of these people had, had either been working on something they truly cared about that wasn't just like making Rich DeVos rich had, had been pursuing a real dream beyond selling soap or that they just put that time into their families. Like it's the, the evil of Amway is like the, the cumulative probably tens of millions of hours of human life that could have been spent making something worthwhile or being with the people they loved that was instead spent selling soap. I mean, like that's, that's, yeah, that's true. I think of, a lot mm-hmm. of current, you know, there's that uh, essay from, uh, I think it was like 10, 12 years ago, uh, the, about bullshit jobs and just how many yeah, jobs yeah, David only exist. Essay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, only exist to uh, justify a boss having somebody to like yeah. p- push around essentially. And they don't contribute to the greater good of society. And in fact, like a lot of times they hurt and like people know that and that's doing like psychic damage. And these are like, you know, oftentimes creative people who just happen to, you know, this is where they landed. And like, it's, it's kind of hopeful because it's like, there's so much time and energy and, you know, ingenious, like, uh, Fucking human brilliance. Yeah, yeah. Charismatic people with like, you know, who are putting all of that energy and inspiration towards just nonsense. And like, so yes, we have like a world war two level problem to solve in, in, in climate change. But like, it's like we, the energy is there. The like, Capital is there. It's just a matter of like getting people to fucking put it towards something that will actually like save us. Yeah. 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 That's the, that's the thing that's, and I, you know, I, I wonder, cause I, I guess I have a debate in my own head. What's sadder? The person who works a bullshit job that exists to like give someone an underling or to perform some other meaningless purpose and knows it. Um, right. <laughs> but at least like that you're making money, right. And often, oftentimes a lot of money, a lot of bullshit jobs, pay you well as opposed to a bullshit job where you give up everything in order to make someone else rich and you do nothing for society or for yourself really 
that's um, the sad one. That's the yeah, sad one. That's definitely they don't the get sadder to, one. You're right. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. they don't even get to like you know yeah. do the thing that makes them happy while pretending yeah. to work. Like yeah. you know work on their novel yeah. or fucking knit or whatever. I, I do know a lot of people who work with they admit are bullshit jobs and are perfectly happy. So, well, yeah, it's it's my you know I I, I do thir- forty hours a week. I spend half the time like reading a book anyway, and then I come home and I get to live my life. And it's like yeah. well, fine. That's not the best human beings could be, but like whatever. Like everybody makes compromises. Yeah. As opposed to, yeah, I don't know. This has been a long, like, existential digression about what's, like, horrifying about Amway. It's not it's, one of those things where I could say, like, Amway's evil because they killed X people or because the founder was a child molester. It's Amway's evil because of, like, this gaping maw that swallows human potential. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's right. And just, like, the the hope in that person's face when I can't, I keep coming back to uh, Voxway or Amvox and, yeah, like, the Amvox. person just, like, being, like, I'm going to buy Amvox and all my problems are going to be over because that mm-hmm. is me leveling up and this is the way. And then they sign up for this and get to call in and just like have somebody tell them to buy something mm-hmm. else. That's yeah, or give to money it. to Sue Myrick so that yeah. she can lobby for Amway. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, it's bleak. It is. I do wish I had access to a reputable independent biography that talked to folks from Richard DeVos's early life and from, from Javon Andals. All Amway publications I found note that both of their families were religious. Obviously they both went to like a religious private school. Um, but I don't know like, to what extent evangelism was a – they were huge about it within their their jobs at Amway. They were big about like the uh, pushing evangelism. I don't know the degree to which they actually believed in anything. Was this just like a convenient way for them to cloak their radical free market ideology or was it like critical to their self-perception that they believe God wants me to have this wealth? Because there's certainly a lot of like people who are like that, like prosperity gospel stuff. I don't know what these people actually believed and I just don't have the kind of insight into their early lives to know like how much of this was maybe directly what they were raised to believe as opposed to something they came up with, you know, post hoc to – I just don't know. Um, The purpose of religion in Amway, though, as in the modern Republican Party, is to render debate over economic and political issues impossible. If capitalism is a system made by people for the benefit of a segment of the population, then it can be criticized. It can even be altered or abolished entirely in order to build, you know, either make it better or replace it with something better. If capitalism is a system made by people, it can be changed or removed, right? But if property rights and the free market are divinely inspired and the United States was chosen by God to be a Christian nation specifically to protect free enterprise and the property of the wealthy, well, then there is no room for debate. Then it's holy to be an entrepreneur, right? Um, Right. Which is now kind of a Republican gospel, but but it was really introduced in a big way. Again, these are not the only people. As we talk about like the religious right, this is part of a, a broader movement. But Richard DeVos is one of the major people pushing this. He's a huge part of why this is so prominent because he's got, number one, the money to be that influential. Again, $200 million over his lifetime that he put into pushing these causes. It seems accurate to say, though, that Amway was initially, before it became as big as it was, a lot less religious than it became, just as it was initially less political than it became. The process of both started in the 1970s, when Von Andel and DeVos became very wealthy, and by the early 1990s, Amway meetings had taken on the characteristics of a revival gathering. One distributor told a journalist at the time, after a meeting, quote, 
It wasn't like any church I'd ever been to. I saw people professing their faith in Jesus Christ and not ashamed. I didn't see one person who reached high levels who didn't acknowledge the Lord and give him credit for the success. Now, there are a lot of Amway horror stories you can find online. Reddit in particular has a whole community, uh, the anti-MLM subreddit, with nearly three quarters of a million members that's dedicated to telling stories from different MLMs, and there's a lot of Amway stories there. I want to read one that I think does a good job of laying out the culty nature of the company, like where the kind of entrepreneur stuff intersects with just straight-up cult shit. Quote, My ex-husband got involved in Amway. Every cent of our minuscule budget in our 20s was spent on expensive products, training materials, and conferences. I made it clear that it was his thing, that I didn't want to be involved. I tried supporting him in meetings, but there was always a pressure to convert me as being an unsupportive spouse. He argued with me that the hours I spent commuting to university to complete post-grad studies could be better spent prospecting new sales for him. Flusher. Yeah. (laughs) The only way I survived this part of my life was to sleep on trains during the commute, as I went to school eight hours, commuted five hours, then lectured at college 6 to 10 p.m. each night. You do the math. I was exhausted. He glowingly reported how many Amway bigwigs showed up to conferences and limousines. I argued that I, too, could rent a limo and appear to be (laughs) prosperous for about $100. The training materials were nothing short of brainwashing. He listened to them religiously. Then he started prospecting my family and friends. Our marriage was on a downslide since this. I couldn't take the passive-aggressive demands that because I saw more people on a daily basis than him, that I owed it to him to prospect them. The day that I decided to leave him, I had my bags packed and was walking out the door. He said, don't blame Amway for this. Amway is just a vehicle for success. (sighs) Rhetoric from his training materials. I kept walking. Like, oh my God. Yeah, that's really bad. I thought he was going (laughs) to... (laughs) <laughs> that, that's a great twist at the end that the thing he's most afraid of is that she's going to blame Amway for it's just a vehicle for success, Jack. <laughs> yeah, that's this is my fault. I failed as a husband, not Amway. I, I was a shitty husband because I <laughs> wanted you to give up your post-grad dreams and tr- or at least try to convert your fellow grad students to sell Amway. Oh, my God. Yeah. There is a bottomless well of stories like this, Jack, and I want to read one other one that I think gets to just how deranged people are when they're stuck in kind of the worst level of Amway uh, cultishness. I was in the military and lived far from post, so to get to PT, physical training, in the morning, I had to wake up at 5 a.m. and leave by 5.15 a.m. We usually networked until 11 p.m. each night at Amway after work, and I wouldn't go to bed until midnight or later because we'd only eat dinner after networking. Well, on a Friday after a big meeting that lasted towards 2 a.m., I got up at 5 like normal. Keep in mind we're told that listening to any music that is negative or not value-based would hold you back. Being a metalhead and only into rap and, only into rap and hip-hop meant that I shouldn't listen to anything I like, so usually I just listened to my Bible app. The Bible narrator has the most monotone voice ever, and some parts of the Bible are seriously the most boring and arduous things you could ever hear just about being real. Also, the only drink I'd allow myself to drink is either water or XS. XS is an energy drink with enough caffeine and vitamins to do absolutely nothing, especially if you pound six a day. Seriously, if a sleeping fly fell into that drink, I would drown before waking up. So driving down the highway after a long night, I passed out at the wheel, even though I was drinking an XS. My car lurched to the right and caught 
caught the ridges on the edge of the road, and if I didn't jerk the wheel back and skid onto the road, I would have caught the railing. What's sad is I patted myself on the back for being so tired, because it meant I was a hard worker. We didn't leave until over a year later, and nearly falling asleep at the wheel was a common occurrence, at least two or three times a week. Hey man, that's yeah. what the rumble strips are for, you know? That's yeah. that's what they're there for, guys. <laughs> it's for the Come Amway on. reps. It's, for, it's to grind. Yeah. It's and for the grinders in, out there. endemic among, especially enlisted uh, uh like soldiers, like, because soldiers don't make a lot of money, but they'll often get like a signing bonus. So you'll, you'll have 10 grand and some Amway will be like, Hey, you want to just waste that? Or do you want to turn that into, you know, a, a fortune? You want to be able to not have to work in the future. You know, um, it's, it's, uh, it's the best Jack. It's I, really uh, the best. I know like I, there's, I found myself when you were telling the story about the person whose husband like got husband's life got taken over by Amway, uh, like being like, how did she end up with such a dummy when she was like such a, you know, a Mm -hmm. grad student. But I, I was also just realizing like, I've known people who were, in medical school who got, whose lives, who ended up devoting their lives to multi-level marketing, like who are still like trying to recruit me to multi-level marketing. Like Mm -hmm. there's, yeah, it's, uh, it, and you know, the same thing they say, like cult members are tend to be just as, if not more intelligent than non-cult members. Like Mm -hmm. I'm sure Yeah, it's not an intelligence thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's what you're vulnerable to, you know? Right. It's in the same way, Jack, that like getting addicted to drugs doesn't mean you're dumb. It means you're vulnerable to whatever drug it is, right? Like there's a bunch of people who can do cocaine at a party once and never want to do it again. And then there's somebody who does it and it it just captures them. And it's it's just – it's the same thing with cults. People have, for whatever reason, what Amway – puts out the the specific kind of propaganda latches on to certain kinds of people's heads and it's it can it can destroy anybody who's got kind of the right vulnerabilities to it it's like a virus um yeah. i did want to note by the way that the excess energy drink that that guy says nearly got him killed because it's so shitty is an amway product and if you buy it jack uh you can get 12 uh 250 milliliter cans for 24 dollars and Here's the best part, 48 Amperks points. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Now we're talking. Yeah. Okay. Now we're talking. N- 80 Amperks. milligrams of caffeine per can, which is nonsense. Uh, <laughs> That's not Red enough. Bull. Red Bull's no. about 80, I feel like. No, uh, I think it's 111. 111. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. I think the highest that energy drinks go is like 200 usually without. Yeah. It's the highest they can go without like three. Uh, you know, threatening to explode your heart, but yeah, um, what do you even need a heart for? Is what I ask. Excess, but <laughs> excess, <laughs> yeah, not. I wouldn't call it excessive. I wouldn't call right. eighty milligrams of caffeine per can excessive. No, for sure. Now, not. in two thousand eight, as a result of lawsuits in the UK, government authorities carried out a mass survey of Amway distributors in that country. They found that out of a population of thirty three thousand UK distributors, only ninety people made enough money to cover the costs of operating the business. Wow. (laughs) So out of 33,090, at least broke even. I assume some of those people got rich, right? Because there were a lot of 33,000 people. That's a lot of downline. But 90, like the total number of people who either got rich or didn't go into debt was 90 out of 33,000. Oh my God. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess <laughs> that's, that's what that's, that means with the 99.9%. Yeah, right? Like it's Holy a fucking. Shit. Robert, speak yeah. of covering costs so we can operate our business. Speaking of covering costs, you know who more than 90 out of every 33,000 people make a profit from? Uh, is it the products? Is it- yeah, that's right, Jack. Products and services that support this podcast. I don't know. I'm not entirely certain what claim we're making either. So (laughs) that's the way it goes. Sometimes you don't know what you're doing and you just do it anyway, like Amway. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit tomboyx.com. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, And then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
Ah, we're back. And yeah, so let's, uh, let's, 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 so yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah. Thank you, Jack. Thank you for appreciating my professionalism. So one of my favorite articles, if you want to get like an idea of the desperation, uh, of Amway rep, people who really buy into it, who, uh, who drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak. Don't blame article. Amway for this, Robert. <laughs> no, this is not Amway's fault. <laughs> the author, fault. Uh, it's, it's an article I came across in The Baffler, which is one of my favorite publications. The author, Matt Roth, was invited to Amway by a coworker, someone he respected who got roped into Amway with her husband. He attended a handful of motivational events for distributors, and he even po- purchased a, a small number of products. I don't think he ever bought into it, but he like... I think he believed at one point, well, maybe this is a a business opportunity. I don't know. He also was a writer, so it may have just been like, I want to see what's going on in this weird subculture. Much of Matt's article delves into what a horrible deal Amway is for its distributors. One of their main selling points is that Amway distributors get Amway products at wholesale prices. Great products. So even if you're only buying the products for yourself, it's a good deal because you're going to save money on the stuff you need for your house. (laughs) You'll get cheaper detergent and toilet paper and all that stuff, right? Um, Matt found that not only were a lot of Amway's products of questionable quality, um, but their wholesale prices were at best slightly cheaper than supermarket retail prices for brand Oh my products. gosh. Yeah. Matt's friends repeated to him the line that, that, that distributors enjoyed a 30% discount on basic goods, which on its own might make being an Amway worth it, but this would appear to be a complete falsehood. None of the promises Amway made hold up to even a tiny degree of scrutiny, but that's why the company spends fairly little effort on these claims. The products, again, are not what bring people in. What brings people in is a mix of peer pressure and the sheer spectacle of Amway events, which are forcefully pushed on new recruits and distributors to keep them in business. One of the first Amway events Matt went to was something called Dream Night. Quote, It began with the triumphal entrance of the Amway Diamond Couples, half jogging through a gauntlet of high fives to the theme from Rocky. (laughs) As the audience... (laughs) I know, right? As the <laughs> audience whooped and, yeah, it's amazing. As the audience whooped and hollered and twirled their napkins over their heads. When the standing ovation finally tapered off, the MC offered a prayer, thanking God for the fact that we lived in a free enterprise system where there were no government agents kicking down the doors of meetings like Dream Night. <laughs> I'm just so embarrassed for them all, but yeah, I guess I don't need to be. Because, no, they're, yeah. they're having a great time. Uh-oh. As dinner wound down, the video screens displayed a picture of what the guy next to me was quick to identify as a $20,000 Rolex watch. He went on to tell of a fellow he knew who had a $30,000 Rolex and who couldn't tell the time for the glare of the gold and diamonds. As its hands reached midnight, the Rolex dissolved into a series of video montages depicting the consumer Shangri-La that our own forthcoming Amway success would open for us. We leered as a day at, at, at we leered as a day in the life of a typical job holder, all alarm clocks, traffic jams, and dingy cubicles, was contrasted with that of an Amway distributor, who slept in and lounged the day away with his family. We gawked hungrily as real-life Amway millionaires strutted about sprawling estates, proudly referred to as family compounds, and explained that such opulence was ours for the asking. We chortled as a highway patrolman stopped an expensive sports car for speeding, only to ride away a moment later with an Amway sample kit strapped to his motorcycle. Our laughter became a roar of delight as the camera zoomed in on the sports car's bumper sticker. Jobless and rich. Wow. Yeah, and that, Jack, gets to one of the things I find most interesting about Amway and its place in our culture. Richard DeVos was the ultimate cheerleader of the side hustle, grind set capitalist attitude. He was a man who got famous saying stuff like this. 
If I had to select one quality, one personal characteristic that I regard as being most highly correlated with success, whatever the field, I would pick the trait of persistence, determination, the will to endure to the end, to get knocked down 70 times and get up off the floor saying, here comes number 71, which is a great thing to get people to believe if you want them to spend years giving all of their money to Amway. Rise and grind, get my paper up. All that, so, yeah. Amway, Amway's, yeah, Amway's a huge, a huge originator of that attitude of the grinds that you got to grind attitude, but also at the same time, a massive amount of their propaganda revolves around the idea that there's basically nothing worse than having a job. And I want to read a quote from Amanda Montel's book Coltish next. Quote. At Amway, the world's biggest MLM, anyone who works for an employer as opposed to an upline mentor is said with disdain to have a J-O-B or jackass of a boss. When you work for someone else, you will never get paid what you're worth, Amway's recruits are all taught to say. To MLMers, the word entrepreneur represents not just a career, but a morally superior way of being in the economy, comments Nicole Woolsey Biggert, a UC Davis sociologist and author of Charismatic Capitalism, Direct Selling Organizations in America. MLMs gaslight you into believing that if you follow their flawless system and don't succeed, there is simply something wrong with you. Every willing and hardworking person can be successful in this business. A good system always works, is a thought-terminating cliché pulled from Amway's handbook. There are countless MLM vision boards all across the web featuring emotionally manipulative platitudes like, People often fail in MLMs before they ever begin because the approach is from the head, not from the heart. And, I really hate when broke people who don't work complain about being broke. Hashtag billionaire mindset. In an article titled Top 50 MLM Quotes of All Time, the website OnlineMLMCommunity.com showcases a litany of misattributed inspirational quotes, including this axiom falsely associated with Winston Churchill. The pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity. The optimist sees opportunity in every difficulty. As if the British statesman's successes had anything to do with direct sales, or if, even <laughs> if the quote were really his. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like, yeah, Churchill yeah. or, sh- or uh, Einstein. It, like, yeah. if you want to just make your quote yep. sound like it, it's smart, uh, just give it to them. I, I'm yeah, pretty sure one they of those did not two. speak in, uh, like, like, quippy reversals of like phrases uh no uh, winston churchill was for one thing when he was witty a lot wittier than that um yeah amway is essentially the arch cult of american capitalism and it's now spread across the world and into the highest levels of power its allure comes from both a religious worship of capitalism and a bald-faced admission that the realities of life under capitalism are unbearable amway's pitch doesn't work if you don't think one of the worst things possible is to work a job all your life right like yeah. Like that, that's, that's a key factor in why their shit works. The solution to how nightmarish it is to live <laughs> in like the economy is to leave the daily grind and instead work yourself to the bone to make your Amway dreams come true so that one day you can quit working and give speeches to cheering crowds while light shows play. It's an incredible grift. Richard DeVos died on September 6th, 2018 at 92. He was worth more than $5 billion. Yeah, he died like the 200th richest person in the world at the time. Jay Van Andel died in 2004 of Parkinson's. His family today is worth $4.7 billion. I'm sure you all know of the DeVos clan uh, and Mm -hmm. have been waiting for the moment where we discuss them. Now, one thing I find interesting is that when Rich died, he was worth $5.1 billion, and today the family's worth an estimated $5.4 billion. So they've gone by about $300 million uh, since 2018 when he dropped. Um, 
Betsy DeVos is Richard's daughter-in-law, so she's not a blood relative. She was originally a prince, like her brother Eric Prince. Um, But she has conducted herself in a way that would have made Rich proud. She is also a Christian supremacist. She attended a very expensive Christian school as a child for basically her whole education. And as an adult, she became the Republican National Committee woman for Michigan and chair of the Michigan Republican Party. She used her position very effectively to advocate for charter schools. Leaked videotapes in 2017 revealed Betsy admitting that her goal in doing this was to hinder secular public schools, which she called a dead end and provide public funding to religious schools and thus, in her words, advance God's kingdom. When Donald Trump made her the Secretary of Education, she was only barely confirmed. Mike Pence, another religious extremist, cast the tie-breaking vote. Here's how the website Chalkbeat, which is dedicated to education, sums up her legacy as the Secretary of Education. In her first year as education secretary, DeVos's education department revoked guidance that spelled out how schools should protect transgender students, which included providing them access to facilities corresponding to their gender identity. DeVos reportedly opposed the change at first, but eventually went along with it, saying the issues were best left to states and local school districts. Eliza Byard, the executive director of GLSEN, which advocates on behalf of LGBTQ students, said the effects were chilling and immediate. Several GSLEN chapters reported cases of transgender students losing access to bathrooms they'd been able to use before. Bayard noted, transgender students who filed civil rights complaints with the department after being denied bathroom access had their cases thrown out. In 2018, DeVos rolled back the Obama administration's guidance around school discipline, as well as guidance for school districts that wanted to use race in admissions and enrollment decisions to integrate their schools. It's unclear how many school districts changed their policies in response. DeVos's education department also quickly closed many of the civil rights investigations it inherited from the Obama administration, then limiting the length and scope of the investigations it did conduct. DeVos also blocked some efforts to desegregate schools, ending a program that would have given school districts $12 million for school integration efforts. Without the federal money, many districts abandoned their ideas. So yeah, Jack, it's been a pretty bad run of her as Secretary of Education. Chalkbeat does know she nailed it. (laughs) You know, she's just like, when when she's in a room, you know, it just, you get the sense of competence. Like we all saw that 60 Minutes interview. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. There's a woman who should be in charge of how all (laughs) kids in America learn. Yes. Yes. Nailed it. My brain is so poisoned by, um, you know, modern media and like the billionaire off that we Mm -hmm. get to witness between Bezos and Elon Musk that I, um, when I heard five billion, I was a little bit like, oh, that's all that they yeah, you call that money. <laughs> but uh, so I, I always this is a simple trick, but it always works for me uh, comparing five million seconds, which is uh, 57 days to five billion seconds, which is one hundred and fifty eight years. Um, yep. <laughs> that, it is always helpful for me to just kind of. Put the just completely uh, just unethical uh, amount of wealth you need to have to be a billionaire in perspective. Yeah. And every hour, every dollar in that bank account is, again, like dreams not pursued, family not spent time with, like debt incurred. It's 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 money made 
breaking people. Like the original um, DeVos guy was going to probably be successful and powerful no matter what he did. And he went into stealing money from people and then spending all his time convincing people it was okay. Yeah. And he's, you know, it's a part of this broader, like the, the destruction of the middle class and the, the, yeah. the growth of the billionaire class. He just did it very directly by just yes. taking the middle class's money, making them mortgage their homes and giving them fairy tales. Um, it's great. Um, as a billionaire, thanks to, well, both her, her dad, who was rich, and Richard Jr.'s inheritance, uh, her husband, who is, is also Rich DeVos, but, you know, Jr., Betsy has poured almost $2 million into anti-LGBT causes in recent years. She and her husband funded the passage of right-to-work legislation in Michigan, and the exact uh... wording of the legislation they pushed is being used as a blueprint for efforts in the remaining 23 U.S. states without right-to-work laws. We can all be grateful that Betsy's general legislative incompetence, which was matched by the incompetence of the Trump administration, meant that she failed in many of her goals. Charter schools were not massively expanded. Department of Education funding was not cut to a massive degree. The most sweeping changes she supported required an entirely compliant Congress, and we as a nation just weren't quite ready to end public education yet. But Betsy DeVos and Richard DeVos are hell-bent on continuing the legacy of Richard DeVos Sr., using the Amway money that still daily pours into their coffers. They see this wealth as entitling them to rule over the rest of us. Yep. In 1997, Betsy wrote a column for the magazine Roll Call, where she made this very clear. Quote, I have decided to stop taking offense at the suggestion that we are buying influence. Now I simply concede the point. They are right. We do expect something in return. Wow. I hate her so much. Yeah. Roll scum. Call is like, this is the role that you are called to. It's yeah. like, this is as American caste system. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, just really a great sort of um, crystallization of all the, you know, just most rotten uh, uh, values that were created by the, the original sin of this company. And then also like a great uh, illustration of the uh, diminished returns that you get by just being just through nepotism and spoiled, shitty uh you know, children. Yeah. 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 Well, Jack, that's our episode. Um, I wanted oh, to good. direct. I actually <laughs> need to go get to dream night. Uh, yeah. I'm you gotta, gonna, you gotta I, do your dream night. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. be a dream night. Tonight, You're a double so. diamond. You gotta, yeah. you gotta walk through that, that, uh, that cheering crowd. Um, <laughs> they know Jack, me as Jack Pontiac, but Jack um, Pontiac, because yeah. you always drive a, well, no one would brag about that. Um, hey, man. <laughs> your you Fiero my, is a nice car. You haven't seen my Pontiac, baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I want to remind people again, we've got a, a, one of our fans is putting out a comic book series. Uh, Ringo Award-nominated comic creator Brenton Lengel is uh, trying to crowdfund Durruti, Shadow of the People, about a, an anarchist uh, uh, militant during the Spanish Civil War, Buenaventura Durruti. You can find and back his comic on Kickstarter if you just type in D-U-R-R-U-T-I, Durruti, uh, at Kickstarter. And if you back at the book level or higher and comment bastards, you'll get a unique signed print for free. So Durruti on Kickstarter, check it out. Jack, hey, people can find you at the Daily uh, Zeitgeist. Yeah, the Daily Zeitgeist, the twice mm -hmm. daily podcast that I host with uh, former yeah. guest Miles Gray. Pretty uh, soon, it's just going to be you're never not podcasting. <laughs> yeah, that's where that's where I'm headed. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at Jack mm -hmm. underscore O'Brien O B R I E N. 
Uh, thank you. I am having. excited, Jack, for when we just install uh, uh, recording equipment in your head on a daily basis, and and there's you're never able to you're never able to to stop. You're just yeah. podcasting all the time, no matter what. Hey man, it's that grind mentality, you know, <laughs> rise and grind. Got to get my paper mm-hmm. up. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. And it's going to be rad when that becomes common, and you can also like hear in your head the voices of your commenters, uh, just like telling you to do things, like when you're out. I mean, there's people doing that already, right? With with Twitch, why not just make it perpetual for everybody? You think I can already hear my commenters in my <laughs> head, man? Think hard at Jack, and he'll do what you tell him. <laughs> It's true. All right. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six x visit tomboyx.com hey girlfriends it's me carol fisher back with another season of the global number one podcast the girlfriends last time we investigated the murder of gail katz this time we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really needs your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene! Run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.